This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week on our panel, we have Chris Fritz from the ViewCore team. Hi. Divya Sasidaran, uh, developer advocate at Netlify and View contributor. Hello. Joe Eames, organizer of the Framework Summit. Hey, everybody. John Papa, web developer and open source contributor at Microsoft. Good day, y'all. All right. Um, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week we have a special guest, two special guests. We have Mike Hardington. Hello. And Michael Tintiuk. Hey, everybody. Do you gentlemen want to introduce yourselves since you haven't been on this show before? Sure. Um, so, Mike Hardington, I am a developer uh, at Ionic Framework, do a lot of DevRel, work on Angular bindings, work on a little project called Stencil, and just write a lot of JavaScript every day. I work as a developer for Modus Create, which is a digital product agency. And we do a whole lot of client work, but as well, we have an open source initiative. And I guess what we're going to talk about today is something that came out recently out of that initiative. Yeah, exciting. So Ionic, for those that are playing at home, uh, we've talked a lot about Ionic on the Angular podcast because it's a project that I guess at least traditionally has been very Angular focused. So why would we be talking about this on a View podcast? So historically, yeah, we've been very tied to Angular. And should, should we talk about what Ionic is first, for those who might not be familiar? Sure. Yeah. So Ionic is an entire collection of components, animations, interactions for building mobile apps that can run in either natively on iOS or Android, or as a progressive web app uh, deployed to whatever hosting provider you would like to use. Traditionally, we've been like tied to Angular. I think. Way, way back in the day, we had some initial goals to support every modern framework at the time, which was like Backbone, Ember, even some jQuery bindings. So we can see how far far along we've come since, since those days. Uh, and we've been you know, all aboard the Angular train uh, since AngularJS. And we recently made like some discoverings that, hey, there's this thing called web components that allow you to do everything you have been doing in Angular just using standardized APIs. So we spent like a year diving into this concept onto these ideas of web components and integrating that with Angular. But now that the components themselves are framework agnostic, uh, we've been looking at exploring other framework options. And with Michael and some of the folks from the Modus team, we've been looking at integrating Ionic with Vue. Very cool. I've played with Ionic, and I have to say that it is a fairly nice and easy to pick up system for writing mobile apps. So I'm excited to see this come into view, especially, man, that sounded like a pun. Anyway, and uh, it wasn't intentional. Anyway, but yeah, it's it's exciting to see it come this way, especially since most of the things I've been doing lately with any of the front end frameworks have been with Vue. I've been pretty excited to be picking it up. And so, but but I'm curious, what does that look like? Because Angular components and Vue components are not exactly the same. Right. And 
that's that's okay that angular components and view components are the same the fact that we have taken a lot of time to abstract all of the uh, low-level parts of ionic as just vanilla web components allows you to write the same markup as you would but you can pull in the framework of choice and then start to integrate into that particular ecosystem. So for Vue, you can use the Vue CLI, you can use Vue X, you can use the Vue router, and have that still feel like a typical Vue app. You just happen to be using Ionic's components for your UI animations and any kind of gestures or interactions that you would want to use. And the same thing for Angular. So is it using something like Polymer under the hood or? No, so we built our own little tool for this called Stencil just takes a, an, AP, an abstraction around web components, runs it through a compiler, and outputs highly optimized web components at the end of the day. Nice. I actually didn't know that Stencil was created by the Anik team. Yeah, we, we do a few things here and there. I didn't know that. <laughs> La- That's cool. There are so many hours in the day that, you know, instead of doing just one project, we built a second one. Yeah, as, as open source maintainers, like one problem we have is just too much free time. Yeah, this, did you too know much free there, time. <laughs> there are so many hours and so, many, so much free time. There's 24 hours in a day. You got to fill it with something. Uh-huh. So what makes, what makes Ionic a little bit different from like other options like, you know, native script or, you know, if people are, you know, building a JavaScript application, you know, things like React Native or in the Vue space, you know, there's also like Weeks or uh, Framework 7, I think is another mm-hmm. like, generally agnostic one. Like what makes what makes Ionic different? So from Ionic's perspective, it'd be closer into comparison to Framework 7 uh, in that the components and everything that you generate or that are put into the DOM are all web-based. There is no complex state of rendering set up. The components that you put into that application are the same DOM elements that get used in Android for iOS or even in the web. So you can literally have 100% code reuse without having to set up specific builds for iOS, specific builds for Androids, or swap out templates. It just works. Got it. So it's it's actual like CSS rather than like CSS that is then interpreted into something that will be natively rendered, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's full-blown CSS. So if you want to add in some complex CSS animations, go for it. It'll, It'll run. It's just whatever the browser can actually support. So it's all fun. What are the advantages or disadvantages of that approach? We can take the advantages first. Uh, yeah, advantages, it's just easier to reason about, easier to maintain. And from an onboarding perspective, uh, you don't have to teach three different kind of approaches to building out an app. Like if you have, if you're using some of these compile to native approaches where you might, might be using Vue, uh, you might be using another framework and it has to generate these native layers. You have to have some kind of specific knowledge on that native layer to be able to bug issues, runtime performance. Using a web-only approach, you're, you're bringing in those development skills that you've learned and how to debug you know, in the browser. You're not having to learn the native tools and quirks about it. If we were to think of disadvantages, if you are making the next Skyrim, or the next Photoshop. Uh, the next Skyrim you, on mobile? Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're using something like WebAssembly. You uh, totally you just outed Joe's next project. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're not, if you're doing something that's super heavy, the graphics 
and uh, very 3D, very much into 3D. Maybe web and web APIs aren't the best option unless you're doing something like Wasm. That's a whole another topic that uh, we don't have to get into. Yeah, but you still have access to like WebAssembly and Canvas and things like that to do like some maybe less intense stuff than the next yeah. Skyrim? Yeah, if you want to do like your own kind of like 2D platformer, you can incorporate that as well. Okay, and can you, do you still have access to native APIs? Like can you still like tie into the gyroscope in your app and do things yeah. like that? So right now there's two different approaches with this. If you were to use say the traditional approach, which would be Cordova, that's one approach that we've used in the past and one that you know a lot of people still use. One that I think Michael has been playing around with is this uh, new tool that we're working on called Capacitor, which allow it's the same kind of idea as Cordova or PhoneGap, uh, just takes our approach on it. We've just taken some different ideas and different cues from modern native development and allow you to integrate all of that as well. So it would have an iOS version of the iOS runtime version, an Android runtime version, and then a web runtime version. But all you would really do is just call that one API and it would know how to split out those different or handle those different calls uh, depending on the platform. Really good, I got to say. Okay. So what kind of apps have people built with Ionic? Like, is there, is there anything that people would know? Yes. Uh, has anyone heard of the app uh, Untapped? No. Untapped. It's a... I don't drink beer, so it probably has to do with beer. <laughs> has anyone heard of the fitness app, Swerkit? Yes. I'm, I'm yeah, totally yeah. unfit. Swerkit is, the, is an Ionic app. For those you who say do it's called Twerkit? Swerkit. 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 Yeah, yeah. By the way, those kind of don't go with each other. One is for people who drink a lot of beer, and the other one's for people who do a lot of fitness. So unless you're well, doing you can do both. while drinking beer. Yeah, after, after all the beer, you need to get fit. <laughs> you got to work yep. out the IPAs somehow. There you go. Imbibe um, some yeah. calories, and then you get on the treadmill and nearly kill yourself, and you put it on YouTube. Profit. There we go. Viral fame. Yeah, Swerkit is a big one. Circuit workout app. Untapped is a, basically their pitch is like Facebook, but for beer. There's some more like official ones. Market Watch is a Ionic app. Uh, really? There's, yeah, there's a, there's a few of them out there. And we have a whole showcase page uh, that you can check from. Uh, we should, we should talk app. about that one. I use that one a lot. And that's, I got some feedback on it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's a few apps out there that uh, are used, that use Ionic for everything. You know, Mike, I've got a question for you. I, I may be thinking about this differently than you are, but I've, I've done a lot of work with Ionic in the past. And one of the things I found a sweet spot for it, and I'm curious if I'm off base here, is business apps. So a lot of the stuff I do with Ionic is stuff I could never share with anybody because there are things that are behind enterprise walls uh, that customers can use, but maybe aren't necessarily public apps that you download, like, like a Swerk it would be, or, or Untapped, for example. Um, whereas the public apps that I've worked on, we tended to go native a lot of times because there were things that were just, we needed too much fine-tuned control over mm-hmm. to feel that Ionic was a good fit. Is that still the case or what, how do you feel? I mean, that's still something that we see a lot of, a lot of enterprises doing where their entire, their entire apps that are built with Ionic are internal only. And these are apps that need to be built quickly need to be built and maintained by maybe one, two people. 
So they need to have that quick, that ability to make a quick app, maintain it easily, and not have to have all these native developers. The fact that people are still doing uh, make native apps, that's not a bad thing. It just proves that there is a fit for each product. Yeah, I found that the place that we use it, the reason we chose Ionic in this project is we had to get this app out in less than six weeks of complete rewrite, had to work on all major mobile devices, and the team knew JavaScript. Right. So going from there, they'd never used Ionic before other than me. So going from there, it was six weeks on a run from hell, quite frankly, uh, to try to get the business requirements to get things out the door. But uh, the best praise I could have for the product was that afterwards, nothing broke. So, which, which is a lot of praise in a large company when you got <laughs> deadlines. Well, I will take that as good praise. It is. It was, it was a good product for it. I've never used it with Vue, though. So that's why I'm really interested in hearing more about how, how it's used with Vue, because I used it with Angular. Right. I, I mean, the Vue work that we've been doing, I had done some early, early experiments around March and did a quick presentation, ViewConf in New Orleans, basically going over like, hey, here's how we can take the core component set and integrate it with a Vue app and what are all the like, quirks, what are some of the things you need to worry about. And recently, we've been working with Michael and his team on getting things like routing, navigation, uh, all these complex animations working inside of an app. And they've been testing it out on their own open source project and their own app, which I'll let him talk about that part if he wants. All right. So it was a, quite a funny story. So this is, I believe it, it must be one of the few first apps with uh, Ionic Force since it's still in, in beta and with Vue. So it, it all started out as a, um, as a passionate project for um, the open source initiative, as I, as I said, we have at Modus. And we just decided to build something new and we decided to use the new tech, like the, the Ionic 4 uh, beta version and the emerging Vue.js. So at that time, I've never worked with Ionic. I've never actually even saw any Ionic code. And if I did, I would, wouldn't, wouldn't know it. And Vue.js, I think I wrote about two components and a half for a client. And I was, I had no idea. But it sounded really cool. And we decided to not do a to-do app because everybody hates those. And at the time, I, I wrote a small CLI program that fetches the Have I Been Pwned API, basically checks your passwords mm -hmm. and emails. And we decided to make an app out of that and to, to meet both the client needs and the passion because some of the clients are interested in the, the emerging and new tech as well. So I went online and I saw a couple of uh, tutorials and I thought they were screwed because somebody already figured it out. And apparently not. It was, I mean, you guys, Mike at Ionic, they did such an amazing job that 90% of the stuff works out of the box. You just plug that in, the, the components, they will just work because you insert the JavaScript, everything is done for you. But the problem was that it, it was, um, the routing was sketchy and uh, it wouldn't update the URL, for example. So that had to be delegated to the framework. So that's what we did. I, I started the work. I got the app to, uh, by the way, the app is called Beep. I'm not at power to disclose what it means. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, basically... I got it to the state where everything works except the routing, et cetera. But I spent the other two weeks just staring at the screen and going through the source code of Ionic and Vue.js, how everything worked since I had no experience with that. 
and then it clicked and the the solution to go to like tldr the solution is to extend the views um, official router plug the stuff that you guys with ionic did and you're done so the coolest thing is that you just do npm install the the ionic view package that comes from ionic 